Um, we're going to dive right in and look at the passage. We're getting to the end of 1 Corinthians now. It's probably been eight or nine months since we started journeying through this book together. Chapter 15 is the penultimate chapter, so we are very, very nearly there. Uh, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 15 to 20 today. So if you want to find that in your Bible, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, starting at verse 12. And, well, there you go. He's ahead of me. It's on the screen for you as well. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul who's writing this. He says, But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we're then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he didn't raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, a very important word, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay, so we are looking, as the title of my PowerPoint suggests, at why, uh, why does the resurrection matter, or does it, does it matter at all? Because, uh, do you know, there are actually Christians who uh, believe that it doesn't matter whether Jesus rose from the dead, it doesn't matter. It's a matter of choice. You know, maybe it was a metaphorical thing. He, he, you know, his spirit rose. His spirit came back to life, but his body didn't. It wasn't an actual physical thing. There are Christians that believe that. Uh, there's a scholar, a German scholar, Rudolf Bultmann, uh, and he says this. He said, you know, if the bones of the dead Jesus were discovered tomorrow in a Palestinian tomb, all of the essentials of Christianity would remain unchanged. In other words, he said, and this is a Christian man, teaches theology, he says, you know, even if we found that Jesus never rose and his bones were still there, it wouldn't matter. Christianity would still be intact. You and I probably all know that the best way to play with dominoes is not to do that thing where you line them up and you match the dots and you make a little snake around the table. That's the boring way to play dominoes. We all know, don't we? The best way to play with dominoes is like on that picture up there where you line them all up precisely, yeah? Just a certain amount of space between them and you can make a nice pattern around the room however you want it to do and you just flick that first one down and you know that when you flick that first one down, it begins an almighty cascade and all of the dominoes in sequence will fall down after it. That's the way to play dominoes, isn't it? What Paul is arguing in this passage is that if you push down the domino that says Jesus rose from the dead, if you push that down because you don't believe it, then actually everything else that we believe about Christianity falls down with it. It's like a cascade. The resurrection is central to our faith. If Christ has not risen, then Christianity collapses. It's non-negotiable. You can't believe 
that Jesus' body is still on the ground if you are a Christian. You know, to Paul, he was so passionate about speaking about the resurrection that when he went to Athens and he was preaching to the Greeks there about Jesus and his resurrection, he spoke about the resurrection so much that the Greeks actually believed that he was speaking about a second God. They thought he had two gods, one called God and one called resurrection. They actually thought that because he couldn't speak about Jesus without speaking about resurrection. The two go together. They are so entwined. That's how important resurrection is. C.S. Lewis said, resurrection is what the story is all about. It's the central theme to every sermon in Acts. The resurrection and its consequences are the good news. You know, and it's funny, isn't it? Because we think about Christianity, we think about our faith, and we think that the symbol of our faith is a cross where Jesus died. But you know, in the the ancient church, in the early church, the resurrection took much more of a center stage. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to put the resurrection at the center stage today because the cross wasn't the end, was it? It didn't all finish at the cross. Jesus rose again. So we're going to put resurrection at the front center stage this morning and look at why does it matter. So let's look, as I said, If the resurrection is like the first domino and we flick it over and everything else falls down when the resurrection's not there, when it doesn't exist, what are the other dominoes? What are the other things that that fall apart if Christ hasn't actually risen? That's what we're going to look at this morning. So, number one, if Christ is not risen, this is what Paul says, then Christ, in fact, is not special. Verse 13 says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. There are many people who would uh, deny that there's anything special about people. They might recognize that Jesus existed. They might say, oh, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. Some might even say he was a prophet. But there are many people who would say there's nothing extraordinary about him. You know, you might have heard people say that all religions are the same. You know, if you boil them down, really, every religion is just about being nice to people, isn't it? Love others like you would like to be loved. You know, treat people as you would like to be treated. That's what religion's all about, you know. So Jesus, there's nothing different about him compared to any other great religious leader. But if you say that Jesus did not rise from the dead, if you deny the resurrection, then you are denying the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. The resurrection puts Jesus in a category all of his own, a category of one. You know, it's the resurrection that distinguishes Jesus from any other great leader. It's what puts Christianity apart from any other religion. You know, the bones of Muhammad, the bones of Abraham or Buddha or whoever you like, somewhere in the world, we could go and dig and find them. They exist. Their bones are still here somewhere. Jesus' tomb was empty. No one else in the history of the world can we say that about, that, that they died, but they came back to life, embodied in a real body, a transformed one, but they came back as the same person. There is no one else in all of history that we can say that about other than Jesus Christ. He is unique. He is different. He is special. People might argue that, uh, you know, well, it doesn't matter because surely what matters about Jesus is his life. You know, the things he did, the things he spoke about, what he taught, that's what matters. That's what influenced people. And, you know, yeah, that might be a fair point. I can think of a number of people who are now dead, but their influence lives on. You know, people that still look to their writings and their teachings and their speeches, you know, for inspiration like um, 
Martin Luther King, for example. You know, there are people who are dead and their influence lives on. And you know what? Mother Teresa, Francis of Assisi, all sorts of people. And great. You can reflect on their lives. You can reflect on their writings. You can look at their pictures. You can remember them. But you know what you can't do? You can't have a relationship with them. Millions of people around the world, myself included, many in this room, we say, would say that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. With Jesus Christ who died thousands of years ago, but is now alive. Can you imagine if we um, substituted the name of Jesus for another dead person and then said, made claims about them in the way that we do about Jesus? So, for example, you know, if I was to say, oh, do you know, the other day I really felt like Napoleon was, was leading me to reconcile my broken relationship with my mother. Or, you know, if I said, I just, I really think Julius Caesar, he's, he's going to heal my diseases. If, if, if I was to say something like that, you would come to me recommending a psychiatrist, most likely, you know? But Christianity is about having a relationship with that person, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. And now we can know him. We can have a relationship with him. That's the best thing about Christianity. It's a relationship. Jesus is the only person that you can say, you know, I have a relationship with someone who died thousands of years ago and people are not going to worry about your mental health. Jesus is special. Jesus is unique because he died and because he rose again. And we can know him. What an amazing truth. You know, we don't just live as a Christian in this dream world. You know, this is a real relationship. It's two-way. I don't just pray to the ceiling, but the living Lord Jesus lives in me and makes a difference in my life. Jesus is special. Okay. Domino number two. If Christ is not risen, then Christianity is empty. Verse 14, Paul says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. That's a shame. And so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. Your faith is empty. Your faith is useless. Your faith is utterly pointless if Jesus has not been raised. Imagine what it would look like, right, if we, um, if we took City Church and we took, we took out all the God stuff. You know, if we took God and Jesus and talk of his death and resurrection out of what we did here, if we didn't pray and, and worship, what would that look like? What, what would church look like? I think the church would become a nice club, wouldn't it? It would become a nice club where we give nice motivational self-help messages and um, we would be a bit of a community centre where perhaps we give people help and advice and food parcels. And the church would be a meeting place for uh, political action, financial committees, maybe the odd music practice here and there. None of those things are bad things, but that's not the point of church, is it? We gather, we gather as a family to personally encounter the risen Lord Jesus. We encounter the risen Lord Jesus. We don't just meet on our own for fun because we like to do it, although we do like to do it. We don't just meet for our own sake. We meet to encounter God and to be empowered by him to go out and change the world. Our preaching is not useless because we know that Jesus rose and ascended to heaven and he left his Holy Spirit with us. We're not empty. This is not empty. This is not useless. This is not dead because we, as Christians, we live in the resurrection power of Jesus. 
We live in the resurrection power. There's this verse from Romans, Romans chapter 8, 11. It says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. That's some power, isn't it, when you think about that? It raised Jesus from the dead. And he was dead. I mean, he was very dead. He was beaten. He was flogged. It was brutal. There was no way that he was alive at the end of that crucifixion. And yet, a power from on high, God's power, raised him from dead and brought him back to life. That is some power. And I have access to that power. You, if you're a Christian, you have asked Jesus into your life. You have access to that power. That is incredible You know, many of us this week, just at the leadership conference, we would testify to seeing God's power at work there. You know, people were sharing stories of, I came here, I had a shoulder injury, shoulder problem that I've had for years, and it's just not gone away, and someone prayed for me and God's healed it. It's gone. That's the power of God. You know, or I have this skin condition, my skin's really itchy and dry and sore and it bleeds, and someone prayed for me and God's healed it. That's the power of God. That is the power of God. People gave testimonies to, uh, you know, I came to the leadership conference last year and God really dealt with my depression. Three people spoke about how God had broken the chains of depression in their life. That's the power of God and it lives in us. You know, if Jesus was still in the grave, none of that would happen. None of that would be possible. But because he's risen, we get to share in that power. And I want more of that. I don't know about you. I want more of that, that power, to see that in my life and in our church and in our city and our world. We can pray for that later on. But we are energized by who Jesus is, the resurrected, resurrected Jesus. This life is not empty. This is not empty. This is not pointless. We are excited and we're encouraged by who Jesus is and we see his power at work because he's not dead. He's alive. He's not silent. He wants to talk with us. He's not distant. He meets with us. Because of the resurrection, Christianity is not useless. Um, There's a book um, about Mother Teresa. I don't know if you've heard of it called No Greater Love. Do you know, I used to be a teacher and I realized I'd talk about Mother Teresa all the time and no one knew who she was because it's 19 years since she's died. Lots of the kids, they just they'd never heard of her, which baffled me. But anyway, there's a book about Mother Teresa's life called No Greater Love and it tells of stories of people that she met during her ministry, the poorest of the poor in Calcutta in India. And uh, she tells a story about how they once picked up an old woman from a big rubbish bin. Her son had put her there. An old woman, vulnerable old lady. A son had just tossed her in the bin and they rescued her. They nursed her back to health. And then she actually helped her on this process of forgiving her son. She told another story about how they picked up a man from the street who was covered in worms and dying. And Mother Teresa and her other sisters, they washed him down, they cleansed his body, and then they helped him die with dignity. You know, and many other stories uh, from Mother Teresa's life of the way that she just showed God's love and compassion to people. But you know, if there is no resurrection, if Christ never really rose from the dead, then spending your life like that, spending your life serving other people, is not saintly, it's pointless. It's foolish. Paul says it's futile. You know, people may as well say to people like Mother Teresa, why would you bother? Just look after yourself. Take care of number one. Who cares about anybody else? 
Because if there's no resurrection, there is no reward. There's no reward for doing those things. There's no, so there's no point. If there's no reward, there is no justice, you know? That means that the people who step on other people, people who are users and manipulators and aggressive and pushy and abusers and so on, they get off scot-free if there's no judgment. If Christ is not raised, there is no justice. There's no balancing of the scales and there's no point trying to live a good Christian life. There's no point trying to be faithful. Paul says in verse 19, if it's only for this life we've hoped in Christ, then we are to be pitied more than all men. Do we pity each other? Do we pity Mother Teresa for the way she spent her life? No, I don't think so. Paul says this, but, and I said that but is an important word and it is, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Justice was done at the resurrection. You know, if Jesus stayed dead, that wouldn't have been fair, was it? would it? Because he didn't really do anything wrong. He died because of our sin. If he'd stayed dead, that wouldn't be fair. He didn't deserve death. He took our place, but he didn't stay dead. He rose. God raised him up, and justice was done in that moment, and justice will be done on that final day as well. You know, people who've served God their whole lives, people who've even died for the name of Jesus, they will be rewarded and justice will be done. The scales will be balanced and God will be victorious, all because Christ has risen. And why does that matter? Why does that matter to us? It matters because life is tough, isn't it? I'm sure every one of us in this room could put our hand up to say, yeah, that's true. Life is tough. Life is hard. You know, there's times when it feels like there is no justice. We watch people who don't deserve it do really well in life. You know, we watch evil prevail or so it seems. We watch bad things happening around us and in the world and we wonder, God, where are you? Why aren't you intervening? And although there's things that we don't understand about how God operates, if we're Christians, we have hope in the resurrected Jesus who one day will come again and he will bring ultimate and permanent justice. And so we hold on and we wait for that day and we serve him with passion and excitement wholeheartedly knowing that he's alive and he is active in the world and our faith and our lives are anything but empty. Okay. Domino number three. So Christ, if Christ is not risen, Christ is not special and Christianity is empty. Number three, if Christ is not risen, then we can't trust the Bible and its authors. When we're kids, people tell us things, don't they, that are not always true. And uh, it's not always malicious, but, you know, we tell our children things like, if you eat carrots, you will see in the dark. That never worked for me. If you uh, eat your crusts, your hair will go curly. That also never worked for me. Um, if you put your tooth under under your pillow, the tooth fairy will take it away. Well, somebody took it away. Uh, and my favourite one, that if you hear the ice cream van in your street playing its music, it means it's run out of ice cream. Those things... Those things were not true, unfortunately. And even into adulthood, people continue to lie to us, don't they? You know... Yes, madam, uh, we'll come and fix your boiler first thing in the morning, you know, or, oh, yeah, yeah, the, te- the check's in the post, yeah, mm-hmm. Or, oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't get your text message. You know, people lie to us all the time. People tell lies. Paul says this, 
Verse 19, we are then found to be false witnesses about God if Jesus didn't rise. We are found to be false witnesses about God. For we testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he didn't raise him, but he did not raise him, sorry, if in fact the dead are not raised. In other words, if the resurrection never happened, then Christians, we'd be lying and we'd be lied to. More so, how can we trust the Bible? You know, in the Old Testament, they predicted that the Messiah would come, he would die, he would rise again. And then the New Testament says that he came and he died and he rose again. But if that's not true, how do we know that we can trust the Bible? It's really interesting to me that many people, and this is true, you can Google this, there are many writers, scholars who have set out to uh, dispute the resurrection. I'm going to prove why the resurrection isn't real, why it never happened. And along their journey of doing that, they've realized they were wrong. And they've given their lives to Jesus. It's true. There's lots of stories of that. If you Google that, people who've become Christians are en route to trying to dispute the resurrection. There's, there's, there's lots of reasons why I believe the resurrection happened and it was real. But here's two real inrefu- uh, unrefutable facts. Number one, the tomb, it was empty. Nobody's ever denied that. The tomb was definitely empty. You know, if it wasn't empty, if it was just that idea that I mentioned that his soul went on to rise again, but his body was still there. If his bones were in the tomb, don't you think the government, the authorities, they would have dragged out this dead, beaten body and said, look, he's here, he's not alive, look. But they never did because the tomb was empty and no one has ever disputed that. Number two, Jesus appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses uh, 40, in the 40 days after he rose. You know, people who touched him, people who ate with him, they talked with him. But if you say that Jesus didn't raise, wasn't raised from the dead, then basically you're saying that those people, hundreds of them, that they're liars. You know, and that the writers of the New Testament, that they're liars. At every point, and you'll know this if you watch movies and crime TV and stuff, you will know that at every point, at some point, every conspiracy always gets revealed, doesn't it? Every cover-up eventually unravels because, I don't know, Jack Bauer or DCI John Luther or somebody uncovers the truth, right? The truth will out. It always falls apart in the end. By the way, I'm watching Luther at the moment. It's really good if you've not watched that. Uh, Every conspiracy gets revealed, and if... The resurrection was all a big cover-up story for something. If it was all a conspiracy, that would have come out by now. Thousands of years have passed, but it never has. The Easter story has never unraveled, because it's true. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. It's all inspired by God. We can trust it. We don't pick and choose. That's not how it works being a Christian and understanding the Bible. We don't get to say, I love the Bible because it lays such great moral foundations. It talks about loving your enemies. It talks about not retaliating and being forgiving. But So I love all of that bit. But the bit about Jesus rising for the dead, mm -mm, that's too far-fetched for me. That's not true. We don't get to pick and choose through the Bible like that. You know, Sure, there's some parts of it that are difficult to understand, But we either believe it all or not at all. Can we trust it? Yes. Jesus rose from the dead just as scripture said. Just as the prophets in the Old Testament said. Just as the eyewitnesses in the New Testament confirmed. We can trust this God-breathed book. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, domino number four. I'm trying to be quick. Are you awake? 
Domino number four, if Christ is not risen, then there is no answer for our sin. That sounds very bleak. Verse 17 says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. So we're all human. Everyone in this room, as I look around, I think pretty much we're all human. And uh, as humans, we sin. As humans, we live, therefore, with our sin. And many of us live with guilt, don't we? We're reminded every day of our failures and our mistakes. Most of us are very aware of how we let people down and how we make bad choices and sometimes we hurt ourselves and we disappoint God. We live with that. All of us have run up this huge debt with God. And there's no creative financing plan that can sort that out, that can pay for that. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then we don't have anyone. We have no advocate. We have no defense lawyer, if you like, to speak on our behalf and in our favor when we face God. We have to face God alone. If Jesus is not risen, we have no way to deal with our sin. We have no way of dealing with it. We have no way to overcome it because it's only the power of the resurrection that can do that. You know, it's a bit like in my house. In in our bedroom, there's a patch on the wall uh, of damp, a little bit of mold, and we rent our flat, and, and that was there when I moved in, and thankfully hasn't hasn't got any worse over the years. But somebody before me saw that damp. They knew it was there. And they knew that that was a problem. They knew that's not a good thing. So what did they do about it? They painted over it. So they got some paint. They painted over it. Did they get paint that matched the rest of the wall? No. They bought gloss paint. So I've got a nice shiny patch on the wall. Did they get paint that matched the color of the rest of the wall? No, they did not. It's a shade or six out. Did they clean the mold before they painted it no they didn't and so you can see it underneath the shiny gloss paint peeping through did they deal with the root of the issue uh, and get this damp seen to by a specialist no and so we live daily with this reminder that there's damp in our bedroom that there's an issue you know and I have no power to fix it and it stares me in the face Without the resurrection, we have no power to fix ourselves. We live with our own guilt and our mess, and it stares us in the face. We do a botched job with the paint of trying to sort it out on our own. You know, oh, it's okay, look, I'm just, I'm not going to look at those kind of websites anymore. Oh, it's all right, I'm just not going to hang around with that person anymore. Or, you know, well, I'm going to count to ten before I speak, and, and, and I'll be fine from now on. You know, we try and deal with our, with our own sin in those kind of ways. And those things, that, I'm not saying that they're wrong. They can be helpful. But there is nothing like Jesus' death and resurrection to deal with our sin properly. We do the botch job. We think we can paint over things, but the sin peeps through. Only Jesus' death and resurrection will deal with it once and for all. In other words, Jesus is like the great damp specialist. He will come in. And he will fix the problem once and for all so that we don't have to look at it every day. Jesus can only do that because he died and rose again. Do you know the resurrection is the thing that assures us that our sins are forgiven? It's not just that Jesus died. It's the resurrection that proves to us that our sins uh, are completely gone and not just 
painted over badly. In Romans 4.25, there's a verse that says, He was delivered to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. To make things right. He was raised to life for our justification. In other words, it was a bit like when Jesus died, he was buried, he was put in that tomb, and he was in prison. And he spent days in prison, if you like. And God said, you know what? You've served your time. The punishment's paid for. It's done. You can go. Be alive. Be free. Go. And Jesus rose to life. So by coming back to life, it's like God's stamp of approval. It's done. I've dealt with the sin. The, the, you know, the punishment has been paid. The debt is paid. Jesus is now alive. It's God's way of saying, I've done it. He didn't stay in the grave. He didn't stay weighed down by our sins and what we've done. But he paid it. It's done. And he's alive. He's risen. So because he's alive, we are free. Because he's alive, we are forgiven. How amazing is it? Jesus did that. We're not hopelessly dead. We're not stuck in our sin, stuck behind some gloss paint, trapped in our own habits and addictions. And some of us, I believe, we struggle to believe that that Jesus has forgiven us. We struggle to believe that what happened on the cross was enough for us. We're just not sure, is it really done? Has Jesus really forgiven that? You know, when we feel that way, we're keeping Jesus in the grave. Jesus rose from the grave. He's not there anymore. He's not there under our sin. Our sin is dealt with, it is done, and he is alive. We sang a song at the leadership conference this week with the line in it, there is nothing you can't lift us from. Because he rose, he lifted us from our sin. He is able to lift us from our sin. So today, you know, for those of us that are sitting here feeling trapped, feeling stuck in sin, feeling like we don't know the way out from that, the resurrection power can set you free from that. And we'd love to pray with you later on. Okay, my last one. You'll be very pleased. The final domino in uh, Paul's chain. If Christ is not raised from the dead, there is no eternal hope. Verse 18, he said, those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And what he means is, Christians who have already died, if the resurrection isn't real, Christians who have died, well, they're lost, they're gone. That's it. Death is the only thing in life we can be sure of. Isn't it? There's a phrase, isn't there? Is it death and taxes are the only two things in life we can be sure of? Something like that. It's going to happen to us all. We're all going to die, and, and we don't really like to think about it too much, but it's, it is inevitable, isn't it? It's going to happen to us, and we, no matter how we spend our time and our money and our energy and our thoughts on trying to extend our lives as long as possible by being healthy and eating well and exercising, and some of us trying to really keep our youth with uh, potions and lotions and maybe at the very extreme end, plastic surgery... Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, we try and fight it, don't we? We try and fight the inevitable. We, we try and fight death. The philosopher Bertrand Russell, he said, death is omnipotent and has the final say. That death is the end. But we don't believe that as Christians. Jesus said this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. My father's house has plenty of room. If that were not so, would I have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. That's what Jesus said in John 14. 
If Jesus is not raised for the dead, then the idea that he went ahead to prepare a home for, for us, that's a myth, that's a fairy tale. There is no home. There'll be no homecoming for the dead because there's no home. There's no home, there's nothing, there's no heaven, there's no hell. Death is the end. You know, Scripture tells us that death happens because of sin. Death is the result of sin. So death is bad. Death is the enemy. But the brilliant and the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he defeated sin and death. He defeated sin and death. So where death is the unmaking of God's creation, death is the unmaking of God's creation. Resurrection is the remaking of God's creation. So we have nothing to fear. Because as Christians, when we die, we, like Jesus, we will enjoy resurrection. We will enjoy eternal life. Death is not the end of the book. It's just the turning of the page. Paul says later in the chapter, death, where is your sting? In verse 55, there is no sting in death. And that's why at a a Christian funeral, we can celebrate. We mourn the loss and the gap they leave in our lives, but we celebrate. You've gone to be with Jesus. What a joy. There is no sting in that. You've gone to be with Jesus. As Christians, we have an assurance that there will be greater things in eternity. There'll be no suffering. That's what the Bible says. There will be no pain. There'll be no sickness, no tears. There will be no uh, mental health issues, no stress, no financial pressures, no relationship breakdowns. We, like Jesus, will experience resurrection. And so we have eternal hope. So does the resurrection matter? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it matters. Yes, it matters because it is the linchpin of what we believe. It is the good news. It's not just about the cross. It's not the fact that Jesus died. It's the fact that Jesus died and rose again. The resurrection matters. So if you could just click to the next slide. I wanted to just turn all these negatives on their head. Because of the resurrection, because Christ is risen, Christ is special. Christianity is not empty. We can trust scripture. There is an answer to sin and we do have an eternal hope. Why don't we stand?